and welcome to another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. We're going to have a patron request. We're going to cover G.I. Joe The Atlantis Factor, the second G.I. Joe game for the Nintendo. But before we get started with that, Billy, what have you been playing since our last uh, show? Well, a little bit more than usual uh, and a little bit more focused. I, I, I was as guilty as anybody of game jumping severely over the last few weeks. It's like a, nothing uh, could really hold my attention for too long a stretch. I am, uh, you know, with a new month comes a new update on Animal Crossing. I'm out there. I'm out there diving way out in the ocean. So I am excited for that. More things to collect for the museum. Uh, I, I spent a good while playing a game. I, I recommended it to both of you. Uh, Momodora, uh, Reverie Under the Moonlight, I believe. There may be a, a mispronunciation in there. That's all right, though. We'll be fine. Uh, and it's actually pretty fucking solid game. Uh, it is a, a very light, uh, Dark Souls-esque type game. A lot of the elements are there. Uh, difficulty, maybe not as much. I, I'd say it's about at Hollow Knight level, maybe a, just a tad under that difficulty. Uh, and there aren't really a lot of, of hefty um, penalties for death. You don't you don't really lose anything. You just start at the last the last save point. Uh, and I just thought it had a very interesting story to it. Uh, of course, in, in typical. Uh, Souls-type fashion, I, I still, by the end of it, really wasn't completely sure what was going on. Uh, but it was a very satisfying game, and not a long one either. I think as of now, um, it, I think it's like $10 in the eShop on Switch. And definitely worth picking up and, and checking out, I think. I, I, I put I got 100% on it, took about six hours or so. So, I mean, I think that's a pretty solid price point for that. And there is a new game plus, so I will probably be diving back in at some point in time, but not right now. Uh, over on Twitch, I've been playing uh, Close to the Sun. Uh, it, it's basically a walking sim. Uh, it's got some more horror elements to it, though. There there have been a few uh, chase, chase sequences and other various things, some real light puzzle solving. Uh, that's been a lot of fun, and I've been playing through that. I, I was interested in it because it, I swear it gives off probably as many Bioshock vibes as they legally can without going too far um, in that game. But I have been enjoying that one. Uh, otherwise, here at home, you know, we've been having some time since I have been at home for an extended period. Uh, we've also been playing some games kind of as a family, a little bit of a Mario Kart here and there. That's been a popular one amongst us. Uh, but yeah, and we also picked up Rayman Legends. And we're trying with three players. And my recommendation, as any as anybody playing with a child, probably would recommend also keep that kid in the bubble the whole time. Keep keep that kid bubbled up and, you know, just bring them back every now and then and you'll be fine. But that's about it for me. Well, I, uh, I've also been playing some games with my kids for the most part. Uh, I I did on your recommendation actually someone else i think jeremy brought it up too uh, i checked out minecraft dungeons mm -hmm, on the switch mm -hmm. uh, we're not far because one of my kids is almost too small for the game so anytime like when you have to do the the enchantments or any kind of upgrades to your character he has no yeah. idea what to do he'll figure it out though um so we, we haven't played much on that but it's fun i'm enjoying that i also did delve more into roblox i've been playing roblox with them to figure out why that's fun and i still don't know why it's with? fun i still don't know why it's fun it, it's mm. 
it's essentially just an open world building tool that people make games for, and almost all of them are jump scare games, and I don't know why they like them. But I've played some just so I could kind of figure out what they're what they're doing and what they're playing. Uh, the other thing I did is I finished uh, The Evil Within for the Xbox 360, finally. I've had it for a long time. Uh, I did finally finish it. You know, I, I'm glad I finished it. I enjoyed playing it. I do not think I would say it is fun. Um, but, you know, I'm glad I finished it, and I'll move on to something else. I also, looking for games to play, I have restarted Bloodstained, a game Jeremy talked about a bunch. Uh, I got a little bit into it, maybe three hours into it, and then forgot what I was doing, so I just started over again. And, and I'll get mm-hmm. back up to where I was, I'm sure, in an hour. So that, that'll be fun, too. But, Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last show? I decided to play a little bit of Control. Uh, I'm late to the party oh, with this game. Yeah. Uh, it's Remedy's game. It's uh, those guys that did Max Payne, Alan Wake, uh, Quantum Break. Um, but I really hey, like. Hey now. <laughs> hey, you don't like I, uh, you don't like an hour long movie uh, in between you know, your gameplay sessions. I don't think that game is paced very well. Uh, <laughs> that that maybe may have something to do with it. But Control, I was uh, I've, I've been wanting to to check it out, but I didn't really want to pay full price for it. Uh, finally got it for like thirty bucks, I think, on Xbox, and mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, it's interesting. I like it. But um, it's it's got some problems, I think, at, at least for me. Uh, I think it's uh, the story and characters and stuff like that is really cool. It kind of plays on this, uh, uh, I don't know, almost like this weird Twilight Zone kind of thing where this bureau kind of exists but doesn't exist. And they take care of a lot of uh, weird stuff that goes on, kind of X-File-ish or whatever. They're kind of in charge of finding that stuff. Um, and you're drawn to that place, and then you have to kind of figure out what's went wrong uh, to stop the hiss. So that's the main whole whole thing going on. You kind of have to explore this large uh, office called the Bureau or the oldest house or whatever the fuck it is. That's the worst part of it for me. This game is a chore to get around. It has the worst map I think I've ever seen in a video game. Uh, it's literally just a 2D map. Uh, that shows on top of the, you know, just kind of comes up on the screen. Uh, and there are like multi levels to this place, multi, you know, levels upon levels sometimes. And literally all you're doing with this map is you're just looking straight down on it. And I guess what you're supposed to do is go to these places where it's saying, you know, go to maintenance, uh, training and maintenance. So you have to follow the signs to find maintenance and go to the elevator and go to the floor and then find field training or whatever. But it's such a fucking chore to do that. It is just not fun at all to get around. A lot of the stuff is not explained one bit. I think they were maybe trying to go for a little Dark Souls, kind of figure it out yourself kind of thing, or mm. re- read everything, basically. Um, there are tons of little like collectibles and things you can find that you're supposed to read. Um, I was talking to my friend, and she said, like, you know, reading that stuff makes makes things make a lot more sense. But I ain't got time for that right now. I'm playing the game. If it don't explain it to me some way in like some tutorial or something, uh, then I'm just, I'm not reading the, the, there's dozens of these things to find everywhere. And a lot of them have nothing to do with anything. It's talking, you know, this dude's getting mad because the, the shitter got moved and he didn't know where to find it. Uh, but then I again, mean, in his defense, uh, that, that's, that's bad. That, that's it's dire. a problem. I mean, that is a problem and I would be upset too. Uh, but when you're mixing in documents that are literally telling you how to play the game in with that, and you just don't know which ones are important or not, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it breaks up the game. I've never been a big fan of, of games that just toss a lot of documents in there and just like, read this, and then you'll figure it out. 
It's like, well, you know, that's cool sometimes, but goddamn, there's a lot of shit to read, and I don't really want to read it right now. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm enjoying it. I am enjoying the story. I think I'm, like, three-fourths of the way through it. The mm-hmm. action's fun, using, like, the whole, like, uh, um, you know, picking shit up, throwing it with your mind, telekinetic powers, and, and things like That's fun. Uh, it gets kind of repetitive here and there. But overall, I, th- I think it's a hell of a lot better than Quantum Break ever was. So this is a... If you're a fan of Remedy and their weirdness, especially Alan Wake, uh, this actually takes place in the same universe as Alan Wake. Oh. Uh, because one of those documents you can find totally references Alan Wake in, in that world. And it was kind of, that was that was like the best one that I found so far. Um, but yeah, it's it's a neat little game. Uh, I Again, I don't know if I'd pay 60 bucks for it, but if you can find it for cheap or whatever, hell, grab it. It's 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 cool. Well, a game that does not take place in the same universe as Alan Wake, I don't think, maybe I didn't read the manual, perhaps it does, is the game we're going to cover this week, G.I. Joe, The Atlantis Factor, for the Nintendo. As I mentioned, this was a patron request. Uh, I did ask if this patron, Marty B, wanted to come on and do an interview like most of the other patrons. He had no interest. Uh, he just wanted to make sure that we played this game because I refused his original request, Taboo. And he wanted to make sure I told everybody that. <laughs> uh, so this was a patron request. I had never played this before. Billy, had you played this one before? I had not played this before, and, and we will find out. I'll go ahead and get it out there now. Uh, uh, growing up in the 80s, I, you know, I was a fucking love those turtles, uh, He-Man. I love my wrestling and all that. Never a G.I. Joe man. I, I have very limited knowledge of it. So I, I even if I saw this one, and I probably did, uh, I, I don't think I really would have had the interest to pick it up. And, and now uh, we're going to have to play Taboo sometime also. That sounds like a bonus show. I never actually played it. I remember seeing the first game. Uh, in the video store and stuff like that. And as for the toys, I I think every kid had a couple of G.I. Joes here and there. You know, they were cheap. So they, you know, they had guns and stuff like that. So and, and some of them had like ninja masks. So, of course, I, I bought a few as a kid. But I never like got into them like I did with like, He-Man or, or Turtles or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I was always super jealous of those huge play sets. Um, <laughs> like the, the big ass aircraft carrier and, and things like that. Like... The stuff they had for that, like the play sets were just insane. Like no mm-hmm. no normal person could actually own those. No kid anyway could have one of those sitting in their damn room because it would take up like three-fourths of the room. Yeah. Uh, they were huge, and I was always just like, man, that'd be really cool to play Turtles on, but not G.I. Joe. <laughs> yeah, I, I, wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't the biggest G.I. Joe fan either growing up. All right. Uh, I, I was, so I'll take the, the G.I. Joe fan bullet. I don't know. I, I loved G.I. Joe as a kid. I had a lot of the, the toys. I did not have the aircraft carrier. That thing was way too expensive and way too large. But I did have mm. the Defiance space shuttle. That was my big G.I. Joe toy I was very happy about. And uh, and we had the original, uh, like the, the, the G.I. Joe kind of based with a little jail in it. It was the cheapest of the bases. But then we also had Defiance later. Uh, but So I was I was big into G.I. Joe as a kid. I watched the cartoons. I remember the, the TV movies that came out. Those were all good. But these games came out late enough in the NES that I would have been, 
I don't want to say too old for these, but old enough that I wouldn't have cared to run out and buy them. Uh, the first G.I. Joe game, which is not the one we're covering, uh, unfortunately, since you guys played them, is the <laughs> came out in 1991. It was put up by Taxan uh, and developed internally by them, uh, but by a company that would later become a developer named Kid, who did develop this game, the second one, G.I. Joe The Atlantis Factor, that came out a year later in 1992, but it was published by Capcom because Taxan had gone out of business. Um, fun fact, another game that Kid made that we've covered in the past, Low G-Man. Mm. Uh, our second episode yeah, that, of the that podcast. Was, uh, that was uh, that was that one that I picked when I really wanted to play Shatterhand, but I got the two mixed <laughs> up. But still, had a good time with Low G Man. Yeah. So this this is this is a game the, the, one of the first games by Kid as Kid, as opposed to being a developer uh, for Taxan. I'm sure I'm saying that incorrectly, uh, but that's okay. Uh, I did not play the first game. I've seen the first game. I have it uh, downloaded, but I haven't tried it yet because I thought i was fairly clear that we were covering the second one that was the patron request apparently i was not very clear because both of you before this podcast today said oh no we've been playing the first one and <laughs> so uh i i do want to say the first one i i did take a look at it online it does not look bad it looks very similar to this um mm -hmm. a little more basic as far as what's on the screen uh, stat wise and, and options but uh, apparently both of you rate the first one very highly I, you know, I didn't mind the first, I, and maybe because um, it was it was just a very simple game. You had a few characters you could you could change between at will, and I, I kind of liked how that system worked. I, I thought it was well enough, uh, and it was so as exact as like a let's say Snake Eyes had a a bit of a higher jump. If <laughs> but if you wanted to catch it as another character, you would initiate that jump with Snake Eyes, switch out <laughs> characters mid jump. And then collect whatever you're trying to get, but it worked really smooth. I I did enjoy that one, uh, but I mean it's it's very basic. I this was just kind of your your basic you know, S uh, basic NES game side scroller with a gun uh, that allowed you you know some some very light uh, options as far as character selection. I'm not saying it's the best game I've ever played, but mm -mm. it's all right. It's, it's a all right. Load. Uh, if I was a big G.I. Joe fan back in the day, I would have been totally fine with that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's Yeah, it's just a kind of simple, uh, you know, kind of side-scroller. You can switch out your characters, like you said. Each one has different stats that it, that it shows uh, whenever you select what characters you want for that stage. Um, there's, like, three stages per world. Like, the first one's, like, basically just a straight-up side-scroller. Mm -hmm. uh, the second one is where you have to, like, plant bombs. Uh, mm -hmm. And thankfully, that was a thing that is not as bad in the second game but it, 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 there was a lot of that in the first game and then like the third stage was kind of a boss stage mm -hmm. uh yeah it's very simple uh not much to it but damn you know decent little game i thought i, I thought i was going to come on this podcast and be like hell this is a fun fun gi show game um turns out we played the wrong game yeah. well I, I did not play the wrong game and so i <laughs> i don't have anything to compare it to i i was this may be the game I had the most feelings change about during the game. I, I'm going to be honest, mm. when we started playing this game, when I started started my first playthrough of this, I immediately hated this game. I thought, what a bad game. This is a just a cash-in on G.I. Joe's name. I'm surprised Capcom put this thing out. It's just not very good. Uh, but then the more I played it and the more I understood what they were aiming for, then I actually was kind of impressed by it. Uh, but I don't know if I would have had the patience if I would have rented this, for example, if this would have been something I took the time on or if I would have tried it 
said, yep, this is garbage, and then gone back to playing something that was in my collection already and not played it again. Um, mm-hmm. This game starts out fairly basic. Uh, the the After the introduction that tells the story, this is actually a direct sequel to the original Nintendo game. Uh, Cobra Commander was killed at the end of the first game. Spoilers. Uh, and then you have reports that he's come back to life, and he is actually in the lost city of Atlantis that is now resurfaced. Uh, so, you know, you, <sighs> G.I. Joe sends in a strike force to stop him. Uh, you start out as just General Hawk, and your you know, first mission, it shows a map like it looks very much like Bionic Commando. Uh, if you're familiar yeah, with that, that map, that it's Yeah, that was a... awful familiar. And that'll be a theme as we go along, that, that a lot of elements from this game looked familiar to me. Well, and, and I think, again, this is a late NES game with a guy with guns, so you're going to see a lot of similarities to other games. Uh, that said, that map, though, was straight up Bionic Commando. But you, you don't have an option for your first mission. You have to go basically straight forward to the first mission where you are, uh, you know, it lets you pick your character, which only have one character to pick, and that's General Hawk. When you start the game, you only have two weapons, uh, hand-to-hand, which is just your fists if you are mm-hmm. General Hawk, and a machine gun that I thought was a pistol, but it's a machine gun. Uh, each, le- each shows at the bottom, uh, as you select, you have to use the select button to pick which attack you're using. Uh, since it's a Nintendo controller, you have two buttons. Otherwise, you have a jump button and an attack button. And when you hit select, you'll switch between your hand-to-hand or the machine gun. And at the bottom of the screen where it shows you what your active item is, it shows it's level one, and then there are some, you know, four dashes for upgrades. And as you go through the levels and, of course, fight, you know, the forces of Cobra and, and everything else that's in there, mm-hmm. uh, you'll find crates or other statues or things you can break open, and they will give you several power-ups, including one that just says POW. And as you're shooting characters as well, if you're shooting some of the Cobra guys, they also drop them, and they fly towards you. And if you miss them, you have to kind of run backwards to catch them. It's kind of annoying, but generally, if you break open boxes, they sit still. Uh, if you get... F- each POW option upgrades your active weapon, whatever you have active at the time that you pick it up. Mm-hmm. And once it hits four, it levels up to a maximum of level four. So part of the game, and it took me a second to learn this, is you're supposed to make sure you kind of evenly, either evenly balance your weapons out as you, you go on. You know, use the machine gun till you have it to level two and then switch to hand-to-hand and, and get that up to level two or so. Or just get really, really good with hand-to-hand because all the weapons in the game outside of hand-to-hand combat use a universal ammo number. So you'll have an ammo pool at the bottom of the screen. It's not incredibly high. I think it starts at 100. And every time you fire the machine gun, it takes up one ammunition you know, use. That's no big deal. But the other weapons you pick up later in the game that you'll find take up up to four of this ammo number per shot. And a lot of them fire very fast. You have to fire it a bunch to hit enemies because you have to do three or four times. So if you're using some of those later weapons, yes, they're very powerful, but they'll drain that ammunition very quickly. And the ammunition pickups, which just look like little bullets that come out of the same things that the POW uh, icons do, only gives you like 20 ammunition at a time, 10 to 20. It's not much, and you really have to make sure you save it up. You can't just run around guns blazing like you're playing Contra. You'll be out of weapons in no time flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, mm-hmm. unlike Contra, if you're running forward and you're hitting the guys, you'll notice you have to hit them three or four times, especially with the base-level weapons until you power them up more. They, they really don't do enough damage to make it a one-bullet you know one bullet kill. You have to really waste some bullets to kill them, where hand-to-hand honestly seems a little more damaging than the, the straight-up machine gun, at least on most enemies. It does, and, and that took a little getting used to. And there is, a, you'll find a lot of charging towards the enemies, gun drawn, and uh, no, it's like hitting a brick fucking wall. And that took me a minute uh, to realize that, yeah, I was kind of better off uh, at least going hand to hand in the early goings. Uh, but that, you know, the thing is, I, that just does not make for if you're wanting to recreate 
the you know the contra kind of kind of run and gun and just keep momentum going and no slowdowns uh you, at least early on you're not going to get that and that is, might be instantly a bit off-putting for some what is up with these licensed games that's like based on really popular properties mm-hmm. that you know they all do these these specific things that they're famous for like mm-hmm. gi joe did anyone ever in that show not use a gun <laughs> like and like you know we've mentioned x-men before and like, my po- and fucking predator yeah like it's like these games punish you for wanting to use the thing that they do mm-hmm. and this is i mean this is gi joe you're supposed to be using an assortment of weapons every gi joe came with like seven different weapons mm-hmm. and like here like i i started running and i pressed a button and i i fucking punched like that is not what i'm wanting to do in my gi joe game mm-hmm. that seems like the absolute antithesis of what you would want to do in a gi joe game but here we are we've got jump kicks and we've got punches where you just have to lay in and you have to conserve ammo in a gi joe game where in in the run of like 700 episodes, no one ever reloaded a goddamn gun in GI Joe, but fuck. I, it just, it blows my mind that, that people like, this is how they wanted to do this game. Yeah. Well, and the machine gun generally is weak. When you power it up, it doesn't get a whole Mm. lot stronger. Instead of having one shot forward, it becomes two shots diagonal. Then it becomes three shots, you know, and then four shots. Like, it really just spreads out the damage. It doesn't do a whole lot of damage. It spreads out your shots. So they could have made that gun free. I don't know. Like that would have made it a little better if you were the had the ability to do that. Maybe it was a little slower to fire, so you couldn't just pound on the fire button the whole time. I don't know. Uh, but after I realized how what you're supposed to do, and that hand to hand is not a bad option. In fact, the first thing I would recommend doing is getting that hand to hand as as high as you can quickly, because uh, it doesn't just make it. You know, with the the guns, it just makes you fire. You know, more directions with the the basic machine gun. But hand to hand actually makes you stronger. It actually adds other attacks that I couldn't figure out how to do on demand, but. But, for example, mm-hmm. Hawk, when you get up to level three, he starts doing these uppercuts. When you do level four, he does these, like, kick things. And and all of it's the same button, and it's just walking towards guys hitting the button. They do different-looking attacks, but they do a bunch more damage than the standard straightforward punch. So you definitely want to upgrade that hand-to-hand as quickly as possible. The new attack definitely – but still, I mean, it's it's not circumventing the problem. That I, it just would have been uh, – honestly, just give us, give us goddamn Contra and, and – put a fucker with a silver head in it. And I, I put the silver guy because it's the only G.I. Joe that I can with fucking Destro. Destro. I, just let it, I know he's a bad guy. Let's play as him too. Just make it fucking Contra style and just let us run and gun and just make it just, I, it would be so easy. Well, I, I think people said this when the movie came out too. It'd be so easy just to kind of replicate just that fucking taking action figures, clanking them together, having shootouts and would have made for a great game. Um, I, I don't know if we're talking technical. We're not talking technical limitations here. Um, can't be talking technical limitations because Contra pulled this off already. Um, I don't know. This is going to be, uh, and I knew it from the start, uh, that this would be one of those one of those games uh, where I, I would not be able to get through the podcast without at least 50 or so Contra references. Well, the first level is a good example of, of kind of how you have to progress in this game. So uh, while I'm, we're not going to explore each level fully because really they're all kind of spins on this first level, the mm-hmm. very first level is on the outside of Atlantis. So you're in the, the ruins of Atlantis. You're running literally from the left to the right side of the screen in a long, not super long, uh, 
level to get to what looks like a boss. Turns out it's a mini boss because all the bosses in this game are named Cobra enemies, and we'll get to them. But you, mm-hmm. you, as you're running through this level and fighting off regular Cobra guys, you'll get the the POW things we talked about that upgrade your weapons. You'll mm-hmm. get more bullets, which you need. You'll find in one of the guys you kill, it shoots. Uh, it looks like the thing drops a K that bounces around. That's more health. Um, that just refills your current health. And the other thing you get is like a little, I'm sure it's a military emblem, I don't know. Uh, it's, a, it's a square with a triangle on the top, almost look like, like a, if you had a dress shirt, the pocket of your dress shirt. <laughs> it looks like that, and it flies across the screen, and if you pick that up, it gives you more of your maximum health. Hawk, mm-hmm. as a good example, starts with five hit points. And the, the refills of hit points give you, I think, three. So you need to get the ones that give you more total hit points as quickly as possible. Eventually you can get Hawk up to where he has like 12 or 14 hit points, which is hugely important because there's a lot mm. of things that hit you. They don't do a lot of damage. The good news is almost everything in the game does one point of damage. But there yeah. are not a lot of health refills, and especially in the later levels of the game where you realize this, your health does not refill at the end of the level. So if you beat a, a level, not a boss, I think when you beat a boss you do get your health back, but when you just beat a level on the way to a boss, you start the next level with the, whatever you had as your leftover health. It's very, very important to know you don't get a lot of health refills uh, in just the natural business of playing the game. There is a way to refill Mm -hmm. your health, and we'll get to that. Um, But at the end of the first level, you fight this mini-boss, and if you don't have have (laughs) your punch at level 2 or 3, or your gun at level 2 or 3, and you don't immediately, as soon as he comes on the screen, just start hitting him with whatever you can, he hits you too many times. There's not an easy way to avoid his attacks, in my opinion, with Hawk. Uh, He's Mm -hmm. not the most... He jumps fairly high, but he's not really fast. He's not very agile. So as soon as this guy runs at you, he goes as fast as you do. You can't get away from him. You might be able to get one shot off and then jump over him and turn around and get one shot off. I couldn't do that consistently. So instead, I found the, the right way to fight him was to duck in the corner and just spam on my gun with it at least at level two. And as long as I had a full life bar, I would kill him with like two hit points left. Mm-hmm. And at least I got through that level, which is good. At the end of that first level... Uh, you, find, you pick up what at first, I, I didn't know exactly what it was. It's a backpack. I thought it was a helmet. It's a, it's a backpack, like a communicator backpack that, uh, for example, if you were a G.I. Joe fan, mainframe would have come with those. Uh, you need to have those because that's how you'll call for some backup. Now, at the end of the first level, you don't find one of these backup characters. You have to find all the other G.I. Joes to help you in the game. Otherwise, you're only Hawk from the start to the finish. It's not possible to finish the game with only Hawk. You have to at least earn a couple people, but you can miss some of these folks. Uh, At the end of the very first level, there's no way to avoid this person or get someone else. You have to get Wetsuit. Wetsuit is the underwater specialist. He's in a diving suit at all times. He's actually super useful because not only do you have another character, that when you start the level and you pick your character, you actually pick three people to be in your group. And you can switch between them at any time you want with the pause button. And you need to because they have separate life pools. So there's a lot of times you'll, you'll get... Hawk down to one or two hit points, then you'll switch over to Wetsuit and get a little mm-hmm. farther with him until you find a health pickup of some sort, then switch back to Hawk and give him the health pickup to make sure he keeps getting health. Um, but the other thing is that Wetsuit will let you go underwater in certain levels of the game. Thankfully, it's not a deal where if Hawk jumps into the water, you immediately die. And if it's a Wetsuit, you don't die. That would have been one more thing that would have pushed me over the edge. Uh, but instead, when you land in the water that you can see is water that he's kind of just staying on the top of, kind of wading through it. If you switch to wetsuit, he will go underwater. And generally, if you find a level that has those sections, and it's only maybe two or three levels in the whole game, there's not a lot of enemies down there. 
and there's a whole bunch of power pickups. So if you're going to use wetsuit, which I actually end up using wetsuit as one of my main three most of the time, if you go to the water sections because you can't switch to anybody else, only upgrade him there. Don't waste any upgrades anywhere else on wetsuit. Only upgrade him in the water. I He's, think this is like the, the the game's most interesting thing about it is it's just structure. Mm. Uh, you know, we mentioned the map screen and, and all that, but actually having to to figure out where these these other characters are, not only characters that you can play as, uh, but we'll mention the the kind of secondary characters that you can call in, uh, you know, to, for health upgrades and things like that. Uh, knowing where they're at and figuring out which ones that you actually want to do because there are paths that are much harder uh, mm. than than some. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you know you do get certain you know characters out of the, going those paths uh, that you wouldn't the other one. So it's just it's a neat idea, and I kind of see what they were trying to do with it. Uh, but it's it's just kind of this is a hard motherfucking game. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. We're going to mention this several times. This is this game is just hard as shit. It is this one of those is NES no, games. Yeah. This is yes, it is when people, you know, when they try to put out a game nowadays and they say it has that fucking that old school difficulty to it. This is one of the points of reference. Uh, I, I definitely say it. Well, even though they're usually exaggerating when they do that. Uh, no, no exaggeration with this one. Uh, this is a tough son of a bitch. And, and it's not one of those. It's not one of those types of difficulty that I enjoy in particular. Like, it's not one of those. It's like, oh, I've just got to get a little better. And, and once I do it, it, it's so rewarding. No, this one, I think, reaches just a level of frustration that it that it just sticks to for the entirety of the game, at least for me playing through it. Well, I, I'm going to explain exactly why this game is so hard. Because uh, after the first level, which was admittedly hard for me at first, this is when I first played the game, I did not care for it because I thought the first level, the boss, the fact that you had to get to him with basically a full health bar and I couldn't dodge mm-hmm. him very well and then you had to just kind of turtle in the corner and fire at him a bunch until you killed him. I was like, man, that's not fun. This is not a fun game. I don't care for this kind of this this kind of gameplay if it's just that like i don't need that after i got through that level and i i earned wetsuit who we just mentioned and you can now pick different paths and you're right there are some that are way easier than others all those paths will take you to uh, on the map and i'll have a picture of the map screen on all our social media stuff but there are some that have a b and there are some that have like a pink a pink square the pink squares are bases that's where the bosses are most likely if you beat a boss, you will earn a character to help you. Either earn a playable character, like Wetsuit was, or you can earn the support characters, like Jeremy mentioned, that are other G.I. Joes that will help you. That's what those backpacks are for. Once you have mm-hmm. backpacks and you've saved, uh, rescued some of those support characters, this is <laughs> a bad mechanic in how it works in the game. It's a neat idea. So you, you use one of your backpacks, and it goes away. So you have to have it in your inventory. You hit select and down. That's what's bad. And you'll summon oh, yeah. one of the support characters. So there's the three support characters you can earn. So you can't play as them. They just come to help you if you have a backpack in your inventory and if you hit down and select. Uh, Spirit will heal you. He's the Indian character. Uh, there's Gung Ho, who's <sighs> like, uh, he gives you a whole bunch of ammo when you call him. And the third G.I. Joe was Big Bear. Now, I didn't remember <laughs> Big Bear. Big Bear is a Russian character. He will uh, resurrect uh, a character if, if one of them dies, because that's important, and I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, I didn't remember Big Bear, so I looked him up online. Like, did they make Big Bear for this game? Was it like a G.I. Joe that was, you know, super, super early, like when they were the 12-inch like soft figures that I didn't remember too well? No, he came out 
right around the time this game came out. He was in a, a series of toys from 1992. So at that point, I was no longer buying G.I. Joes or playing with G.I. Joes because mm-hmm. I would have been in ninth grade. So I was past that. I was just buying video games pretty much or getting video games. Uh, and I would not have known this character. But yes, he, he was a G.I. Joe, just one I didn't remember. Uh, that, that actually is a, something I noticed on this game a lot. I'd say about a third of the characters in this game are characters I didn't know and thought maybe they made them up for this game, but they were all part of this 1991-1992 line of G.I. Joes that I, I did not mm. remember. Anyway. I, I do have a question real quick oh. that, that, that's related story-wise that I noticed. Um, Storm Shadow is one of, the, one of the characters in this game, but he's on. he's the good guy. I thought Storm Shadow was the bad guy. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. He was a bad guy, and then he became a good guy for a while. And I don't know if he ever became bad again, but he definitely became a good guy after hmm. a while. His story in, in the G.I. Joe universe, which I would have known through the comic books and the TV show, but the comic books more so dug into this, uh, him, and, him and Snake Eyes were very close uh, to the point where he he convinces them to come join come join GI Joe and I don't know the background of that I'm sure someone is screaming at their their radio right now their radio mm-hmm. at their uh, iPod They're or whatever those things on. You, you traveled <laughs> back to the 80s for this. One. I did a good job. I'm doing a great job tonight uh, getting this all put together. So uh, so that that was yes. Storm Shadow is one of the playable GI Joes you can find. So along with Hawk, who you start with, and Wetsuit, who you have to get because he's at the end of the first level, you can find um, Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes. Duke, Roadblock, uh, that's it. And Wetsuit was the other one. So there's there's six playable characters total, including the one you start with. You don't need to find all of them. You have to get Wetsuit. There's no way around it. He's at the end of the first level. Mm. And I think you have to get Duke because he is who you earn when you beat Destro, who is you have to beat Destro on your way to Cobra Commander. I don't think you can skip him the way the map is set up. But everything else, you could avoid some of these levels. You might not. You might finish the game and not get Snake Eyes or not get Storm Shadow. When you get a new character, they immediately become playable You know, for the next level. You can pick them as one of your three. All of them get all the weapons you've gotten so far, but all the weapons are at level one. So the, the level upgrading is not universal. If you're Hawk and you have a level four machine gun, no one else has a level four machine gun until you play them and earn them the POW markers. Uh, the other thing, and this was this is, a, a, in my opinion, a bad gameplay decision, especially because, again, you get Duke essentially at the next to last level of the game unless you you know, rushing to him and then going backwards to clean the map out. When you get one of these new characters, not only are their weapons all level one, they only have like three or four hit points. Mm-hmm. You have to go out and find those those items that increase your health to give them maximum health larger. Because otherwise, four health points, especially on a boss, you might as well not have any health. There's no point. You're going to die before you do enough damage because much like that first mini boss, I found many of the bosses require you to just soak up damage. And even the playthroughs I watched on YouTube when I was kind of looking for some help in parts, they're just soaking up damage. They just happen to have six or seven of those backpacks and they just kept calling spirit to heal them up. That's why I think this game is so hard because they gave you all these other items and options for, you know, you can switch characters so you can kind of have three full hit bars when you get to a boss. And then you have these these backpacks you can save up. So you got to make sure you make the, the game tough enough so that those things don't make it too easy. But instead, if you don't walk into one of these fights with three full life bars and three fully powered up characters in your in your group and some of these backpacks like you're screwed. The the last couple fights, Destro and Cobra Commander, he's the end of the game. Uh, if you don't have several backpacks to, to heal yourself up, I don't know how you beat them. Just watching their patterns. I mean, some of the stuff you can avoid, some of the stuff you can't. It is... There, there, this game has a real balance problem with trying to make it 
difficult with all the other things they gave you, which are neat little things. But if they would have just made it so, yes, you have these level, these weapon power ups, but everyone has you know ten hit points, or mm-hmm. you know the bosses have some patterns that are a little easier to avoid. You don't need to have a bunch of backpacks. Okay, fine. But instead, all these things are kind of combined together, and it makes it so if you're not someone who has scoured the map, gotten all the characters, or at least the ones you want, have taken the time to go back through the map to areas you haven't been through before and gotten the weapon power-ups and the health power-ups, you're, you're not going to be strong enough to get through the rest of the game. And that on mm. its own was, was not a game-breaker for me. That was actually like, okay, I kind of get what they're going for. That's when I was kind of at the point where I was like, oh, I, I like this game now. If I can rush to get the characters I want now that I know what they are, they don't take long. And, you know, I, I can go back now and power up Storm Shadow, for example. Storm Shadow's a character when I got him, I was like, I'm never going to use him. He's only got three hit points. I've got, you know, Roadblock and Wetsuit and Hawk with 12 hit points each and level four weapons across the board. Why would I use Storm Shadow? Well, Storm Shadow's hand-to-hand weapon is a sword, and as you power up that sword, it shoots a projectile. So his sword becomes essentially the most powerful gun that you're going to use, and you can spam it because it's hand-to-hand. You'll just smash mm. people over and over. So like that's a great character to power up. I have no idea if Snake Eyes does that because I never leveled him up. I got him so late in the game, he has two hit points when you get him. I was like, I'm never mm. using him. There's no chance mm-hmm. I'm going to use him. So And Duke's the same thing. I'm sure Duke may have some great abilities, but you get Duke right at the end of the game. He has five hit points and level one weapons, and I wanted to go fight Cobra Commander and finish this thing off. I didn't have time to go back and, and try to find items. Yeah. And the so then there, there's two problems with the way they've they've done this. Uh, aside from what I've already mentioned, there's two additional problems. One is you can't revisit areas you've already cleared. So you can't go back and say, "Great, I got this character at the very end of the game. Let me go back to some earlier levels and get him some weapon power." Mm-hmm. You can't. You cannot play them again. There's no par- place that loads up over and over again. There's not even like a training zone you can go to. That's it. You're done. That's what you got. And the second thing is. As you're playing through the game and you lose, you know, your characters and, and then you have to go back and play with all the characters you have to make sure everybody in your group is dead, you can continue. The continue starts you at the start of the, you know, at the end of the last place you finished and beat a boss or finished a, a, a zone. But it penalizes all your characters somehow. And I can't figure out if it's universal because it doesn't seem to be. I think it's randomized between you lose part of your maximum health, part mm. of your weapon levels. Uh, and you definitely lose all of the backpacks and things you had at that point. So it's not like it saves where you were when you beat this this level and you start back there with the exact same status. You start back at the, the end of the last place, but it kind of resets your stuff. You lose all those backpacks. And since you can't go back to old levels, you can't earn more backpacks. So in my farthest attempt at this game, because I did not finish it, I am at the walk-up to Cobra Commander. I'm at the last level of the game with no backpacks, I have three characters that are that have more than three hit points each, and all my weapons are like <laughs> I have like one level four weapon on each of them. I because I continued so many times and didn't realize what was happening, I'm now like, oh, oh, that's bad. Yeah, news. I, I don't I don't know if the end of that game's happening for you. Well, and then the they have and we we talked about this ahead of time. This game has one hell of a password. Oh so boy, when this you, is a, a bastard. When you start each level, it shows you a screen that shows the characters you have selected, and then it puts up a, it's six, I mean, sorry, 12, a six by two section of three by three grids. 
So it looks like a fucking crossword puzzle. Yes, it looks crazy. And you have one selection in each of these grids of three by three. And it's in any one of those nine spots. And it could be any letter or number or some special characters. And each of them has one thing in it. So you're talking only an 18 character password. But it's 18 characters. You have to then draw. If you're, you know, a kid writing these down, you have to draw six different or 12 different three by three cubes and write the position of each of these items as well. Worst password yet. I, I I didn't think we'd ever find a password worse than the Guardian Legend. This game succeeds <laughs> by far. But if you save the password, if you if you do play this and write down the password instead of continuing, it doesn't penalize you. So if you just write down the password each time and then type it in if you lose, you'll start right back at the... The map starts you at the beginning of the map, so I got nervous that I have to start from scratch. But it keeps track of most of what you've done. The boss levels seem to be finished, and most of the main pathways were finished, but there were definitely pathways I could revisit that I know I had finished before I got to that point. It's very inconsistent. I, I can't figure out exactly what that's aiming at. And maybe that's what you're supposed to do. Maybe you're supposed to write down the passwords and constantly type those back in again, and that does allow you to repeat some areas. I'm not sure. Uh, but I didn't do that. I was just you know, playing it and, and continuing over and over again because I thought that's what I was supposed to do until I just screwed my final playthrough. And I, I had to start from scratch again to get back there with the right number of items. I, I just... It, not being able to just go back and replay a level is probably the thing that just kills this game for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, not being able to level up those characters once you get them, it just kind of makes them useless. I mean, it does. you've already... I, all, you, all you got to do is just, just scale them. You know, just scale them with yeah. like what your average character that you've been using throughout the game. Yeah, just stick them in there with the, the you know, the power that you have already or do like the first game does and just give them to you all at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, mm -hmm. this this whole game gave me like PTSD with like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, well, it, well, it, it doesn't doesn't help that it fucking looks like it. <laughs> it's It's got that. Uh, there's just something about it uh, once you start getting those extra characters. But unlike... You know, Turtles, which I can't believe I'm saying Turtles was a better game. You know, you got all the Turtles at the beginning, and they all had the same life, and, and they could, they were all basically the same besides their weapons. And you can switch out at will, and, you know, if one goes down, then you've, always, you've got the others, hopefully, at full power that you could switch in. This one, you get a new character, and it might be cool like Storm Shadow, but they're mm -hmm. coming in with two health bars, they're not going to be able to do anything because this game is so goddamn hard. Uh, it, it's just almost impossible to level up these characters to the point where my strategy, which is not the winning strategy, was to just <laughs> switch them out when I knew there was an attack or a section coming mm -hmm. that I couldn't get past. Or I, I knew there was an attack that I was having trouble dodging with my main character. So I'd switch out, let them get hit, switch back in, and then, you know, do what I could. I was basically just using them as, as targets. Mm -hmm. So, I, I, yeah, it, but not not if you could just go back to those stages and go through and level them up, uh, just grind a little bit. That would be that that'd be fine. I could almost forgive this game's difficulty if you could do that. But with how hard it is and not being able to go back and grind a little bit, it's just it's ugh, you, you just can't. It's it's almost impossible. Well, it's a game that they expect you to start over, over and over again. They don't expect you to keep continuing. I guess you're supposed to realize, oh, I'm getting hurt when I continue, so I shouldn't. Uh, if 
you know, once you know what you're doing, you can find people playing through this game in like 40 minutes. It's not a long game. If you don't die and continue over and over again, your characters are powered up pretty quickly. Uh, as long as you remember to resurrect your characters with uh, Big Bear when you when you die, hopefully you don't die. But if you did, you resurrect them. You don't have those penalties. Uh, the other thing is that if they would have just started the, le- the game out where you could pick the three you want. Like, I don't need to find G.I. Joes on this island. We're all going there together. We're a, we're a, a force. We should be able to say ahead of time, hey, I want these mm-hmm. three guys on my strike team. This is who I'll have. Uh, you know, even if you have to pick, fine, you have to be Hawk, fine. And I can pick two other people. That's great. That would be okay with me. Uh, and then it's not like you don't find things. You in, in the same areas where you get these characters, you also will get a weapon power-up. So you'll not just get, in, in the game as it is right now, you don't just get snake eyes. You get snake eyes and a laser gun. Or you get, you know, the, the other weapons in the game. So aside from the machine gun and the hand-to-hand you start with, there's a laser gun that's literally just exactly what it sounds like. Uh, it, it just shoots across the screen. It does a fair amount of damage. Uh, it does take three ammunition per use, so you don't want to just spam it. But when you do get to use it, if you power up, it does destroy a lot of things very quickly. Uh, there's a pulse rifle, which shoots out a very short-range uh, force field, but it does a bunch of damage and it kind of stays on the screen. So if you have a guys in front of you, it'll hit a bunch of them at once. I did not use that weapon for for anything. I'm sure it has a use. I didn't use it. And then at the very end of the game, when you get Duke, you also get the missile launcher that takes four ammunition at a time, and it's a missile launcher. It if you power it up, it does a whole bunch of damage. It's well worth getting. But again, you get at that at the very very end of the game. So I didn't use it much. I, I'm sure if I rushed to Destro and got Duke and powered him up and maybe had that, that missile launcher earlier. Maybe mm. some of the earlier levels and bosses would be cake with that rocket with that missile launcher, but I didn't have it. You know, that that the way the level's set up and the way the game is organized, I can't imagine, unless you've mastered this game, you would know even to go get that. Um much like the, the six G.I. Joes, there are six enemy bosses that are from uh, the G.I. Joe figures for Cobra. Uh, there is Overkill and Cesspool, who I did not know. They are also from 1992 and 1991. Mm. Uh, Firefly, who's a ninja. Major Blood, Destro, and Cobra Commander. Those three characters Major are basically... Major Blood. What a fucking name. Well, he, he was one of the, the, the classic Cobra villains. I mean, he was in there forever. And, and that's along with Destro. So th- those are... You know, you get you get to these levels. You fight these, these characters, which... And again, this is a Nintendo thing, and it's it's petty, but I like that all the Cobra characters you're fighting are massive. Like the guys you're fighting, the regular you know guys in the fortress, no big deal. But the Cobra bosses are like superhuman size, like twenty feet tall compared to your characters. Mm. Uh, that's okay, I can deal with that. That's not a big problem. But um, the the only thing that we that we pick up in the game that I didn't mention, and I don't know if you guys even used it, because if I didn't have a manual, I wouldn't known what it was or why you need it, <laughs> is the battle orb. Uh, and some of the levels you'll pick up what looks like uh, just a you know an eight-pointed star. And it shows up at the bottom of the screen normally where you show your backpack totals. If you pick one up, it'll say, you know, you get the battle orb and it'll show up there. If you hit down and select while you have the battle orb, it is the most useless weapon in the game. It basically is a, a <laughs> thing that circles around your character like a shield, except it's not a shield. It doesn't block anything. It hurts people, but it has the worst collision detection I've ever seen. And it doesn't last very long. And there's only two or three in the entire game. I don't know why they added the battle orb. It's completely useless. Did you guys even know what that did? Did you even use it? No, <laughs> I did not. Um, I, I did not have any any encounters with the battle orb. And I'm going to say that's good because I, I don't, you know, that might have been like the, the proverbial last straw. That may have just, that may have done it. So, I, I mean, I, I liked G.I. Joe. I don't think this is a bad game. I kind of feel bad I didn't play the original because apparently that sounds like it's a much more standard uh, kind of action game that G.I. Joe would have been fine with. 
I like what they were aiming for here a lot. And, and that's why, you know, at first I hated this game. And then I was like, oh, I, I really get what they're doing. I don't know if I would have the patience to figure this out. I really like it. But by the end, between the fact that, you know, you have to power up these characters you get so late in the game, the, the fact that you have to assume you have a bunch of backpacks, you have to stockpile them or else you're not going to have very much use. And the fact that you, your characters get weak every time you continue to the point where there's no point in continuing that's when I kind of hated it again. But I like what they were aiming at. If they would have had you pick your characters at the start, maybe, or if they mm. would have shown up a little stronger. Like, again, Duke's at the very end of the game. Why does he only have five hit points? Have him start with ten. That would have made me feel better. Like, you know, something... Or, or the, the, the if the weapons all upgraded universally, maybe that would have been okay. Less power-ups in the levels, but overall they affect everybody. I, I don't know. Uh, as it is, the way this game is set up right now, it is... It is too annoying to be fun. I did not finish it. I will not be returning to do so uh, because mm. I got to the very end. I got to the last level, and I'm too weak to continue, and I do not think that I'm going to take the time it's going to to, to really take, unless I'm going to save state the shit out of this playthrough, to get to the end with all the items I need to be effective. And yeah, I, I mean, uh, and how frustrating it is that, that that is even possible <laughs> in a game. Um, I, I, I can see they were trying. Uh, I think this is one of those where they were just trying to do a bit too much. And, and you didn't really need to. It's, it's G.I. Joe. And, and even as someone that's not incredibly familiar with the property, I mean, God, it, it seems like something that's kind of hard to mess up. Uh, just put a gun in your hand and let you just run around and mow down a bunch of guys. And, you know, and, and give the characters, uh, represent the fucking characters everybody loves up there in the game. Give them their choice. Just give it all to them at once. You know, no kid just grabs up a couple of his Joe figures and as he's playing along, finds them laying around, you know, just, oh, I didn't know this one was here in the house. You no, know, you grab up all of them and you take them out the fucking yard and you play with them. Uh, I don't know. I, I just think for, uh, for what it was for the property and how the property would, should very easily lend itself to a game. It, it did not do a, a good job of it at all. You know, funny you should mention that because there is totally that game that you just described. Uh, it's called G.I. Joe. Oh. It's the first game. Uh, that yes, is that yes, game. The, yes, the first one is is more of, of what you would want. Yeah, and it's, you know, it is that game. I, I do, you know, I, I guess they, they were going for a sequel. They figured they had to kind of, you know, fill it out a little bit more or something. I, I'm with Jeremy. I do like the direction they were going. Uh, it just seems like they had a completely different idea of how the game was supposed to be played than how I'm trying to play the game. Uh, it's to me, like, you know, if you're supposed to use that password system to go back and actually redo stages like that, then that just seems like insanity to me. I don't know. Just make the stages playable again. <laughs> that just instead of making Siri decided to come in right there. Thanks. Uh, it just seems it just seems insane to me that that you would actually you know not put that in the game, uh, and and have it built like this. It, it just seems like it's it's one sane person away from looking at this and being like, you know what, this is a cool game, but maybe we should do just a few things a little bit differently uh, to to maybe not make this as as crazy as it is because it's actually really cool. Yeah, it, I just don't want to play it anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 got a lot of good ideas, and I, I again at my halfway point in this game, before I got to the very end, like on my way up to the Destro fight, I was like, I really like this game. What a neat game! And all it took was 
you know, dying a bunch and losing all those upgrades, and all of a sudden it's like, oh. Like, I think maybe if that if that was the only thing they removed is that you didn't get weaker when you continued. Maybe that would have changed my mind, and I would have thought this was okay. And it would have saved your your backpack totals until you use them as opposed to wiping them every time you continue. I don't know. It just seems like it's way too difficult. Or if you're really good at this game, like as far as like if you don't die a bunch, don't continue, it's way too easy because then you walk to the last level with 11 backpacks. You can literally just stand in one corner and fire uh, until you run out of bullets and just make sure you call spirit every time you're low on health. Uh, it, it's, it's a weird balance. It's not great. Um, I actually have to say this is one of those examples where if it wasn't for the fact that it was G.I. Joe, I wouldn't have put this much time into it. Like, if this would have just been, you know, Super Quest, you know, Super Commandos, I would have been like, yeah, this sucks. I don't want to play this anymore. This is not enjoyable. Where, because it was G.I. Joe, I was like, I'm going to give this more of a shot. I think there's more to this. These characters have a lot of different skills. There's got to be something I'm missing here. And I kind of was, and then I wasn't. Our thoughts on G.I. Joe, the Atlantis Factor, a patron request. Uh, again, the, the person who requested it, Marty B., uh, did mention he'd never got farther than getting uh, than, than getting wetsuit, so I don't feel so bad. <laughs> he did not get very far. He beat the first level and decided it wasn't his game, so he sent it to us because we wouldn't cover Taboo. So if you have a game you want us to cover, the easiest way to do that is to go to our Patreon. And if you join it, a Super Retrovaniac DX2 Turbo level, uh, I don't remember what it's called, but it's the highest level. Uh, after so many months, you get to pick a game we have to cover, and we have several more of them coming up. Uh, hopefully, some that are a little bit better than G.I. Joe, The Atlantis Factor. Uh, but yeah, the other so thing... I guess, I, I guess have your, your game pick in mind, and if we don't cover it, have your revenge game pick in mind. Well, I... In this specific case, I think Taboo was picked out of spite. So I don't feel so bad. Mm. It's not really a game. Uh, I don't feel bad we didn't cover it. But that said, maybe we will in a bonus episode. Uh, again, that's the other thing you can get for the Patreon. If you join our Patreon at the Super Retrovaniacs level, you get two bonus episodes a month. Uh, and that's how we cover a game like Taboo. But another thing you can do is just go to Retrovania.net. Not only is there pointers to our YouTube channel, other podcasts that we do, and uh, now some written content that we've just added to there. Uh, there is a question form at the very bottom. At the, you can go scroll all the way down to the bottom, and there's a, a nice question form. You can send us anything that's on your mind, and we'll answer it at the end of the episode like we're going to do right now. That's right, and our first question comes in from Mike F., and he's writing in, a bit in about vacation memories. Uh, he's saying, uh, what game or gameplay setups trigger vacation memories for you, whether it be handheld, a system you traveled with, or an arcade? I have memories of beating many a cabinet in the huge arcade at King's Dominion. What is, was a go-to food destination for your family vacations? I associate the Cracker Barrel with childhood vacations and now take my kids to the Marshall Diner in Marshall, Virginia, if we're going north, and lunch at the last rallies that I know of in existence if we're going south. So uh, when I was a kid, we would try to take our systems on vacation, and until I got a Game Boy, the answer was a flat-out no. Uh, the one time my dad tried to help us with that because we were going on a long camping trip, is it, and I've talked about this before, he hooked our 7800 up to a van television <laughs> and it lit on fire. So we did not take games on vacation. So the very first time I got a Game Boy, that summer, we had to go to some, and I, I don't even, it, 
it wasn't a, a church camp because I didn't really go to church, but it was definitely a religious camp my mom found someplace, and we all went as a family, and I had my Game Boy, and I literally skipped out on every single activity to hide in the cabin and play the original Super Mario Land and Castlevania the Adventure. And I spent the entire week of that camping trip doing that and hiding from everything else to go on. The only other time I've taken, other than a handheld, on a vacation is the very last family vacation I took. I was... 22 way too old for a family vacation but my, i'm the oldest in my family uh of the kids so my parents wanted to do one last full family vacation and we had an n64 we took with us and i played blast core from start to finish and and got golds on most of the levels during that adventure on that on that vacation because everything else that was you know hey let's go mini golfing or hey let's you know as a family we'll go out to lunch this i didn't want to do any of that i was hung over the whole time because i was old enough to drink and i just Got over my hung- my hangovers every day and played Blast Core. And it was, uh, I don't want to say it was a good vacation because of that. I probably ruined it for many people. But I, I remember Blast Core very fondly. <laughs> uh, for me, I do have a couple. Uh, there was uh, a, a guy my, my father worked with. I was maybe, oh boy, seven or eight. Uh, and there was a lake house that, that you know, they kind of shared. And their family would use it part of the year. And we would go down there at least twice a year or so. And in... The, the the kind of the living room. There was a living room. There was a den. Uh, the den was set up, you know, with uh, with just uh, like board games, things like that. But they had this old shitty, tiny, black and white TV with an NES hooked up to it, and and the games for it were Karnov and Blades of Steel. And so I, I have very fond memories. Uh, we bring my cousin along uh, quite often, and and just. You know, sitting there and playing that that Blades of Steel on that tiny black and white TV, and we had good eyes back then too. But we still had to sit right in front of that thing to see anything that was going on. And one of the added—I uh, don't know if it's one of the added attractions or, or dangers of playing any sports game on a black and white TV—is that sometimes the the uniforms, which look distinctly different on a color TV, don't don't quite translate. So it made for some very, uh, very hectic matches out there on the ice. Uh, and, and that setup is definitely uh, a very sentimental favorite as, car- as far as uh, uh, gaming setups to make you think about vacation. Otherwise, uh, when we would go down to the beach, uh, there was, and it's still there to this day, uh, it's, it's shitty, but it's, it's not quite what it once was. You know, of course, it made the, uh, the move to being really ticket game heavy. Uh, there's an arcade down the beach we used to go to, and it's one of those. It's kind of kind of on the boardwalk, and you can you can see the beach from there. Uh, you can see the ocean, and and I just remember spending uh, basically just about every summer uh, down there too, uh, just just playing around in that arcade. And it was one of the places where I would see games uh, that hadn't made their way up home yet. Uh, if I saw a game there during the summer, I knew maybe around fall or so it might be hitting the arcades back home. Where that's like the first place I ever played uh, the original Mortal Kombat or uh, Street Fighter 2. I believe it was even where I first had an encounter with Moonwalker Arcade, which still to this day is one of my favorites. Uh, so definitely those are those are two uh, setups that, that really, really take me back when I think about them. Well, I, I think I actually answered this on uh, our Patreon, our previous episode on Patreon, the Act Razor episode. Uh, I spent a lot of time at, at, during spring break down in Franklin, Kentucky, 
uh, with my cousin and aunt and their family down there, which is originally where my family is from. So that's that is probably my biggest memory as a kid. And coincidentally enough, a Cracker Barrel is totally where I, I remember most as a kid that we would stop in Seymour, Indiana. Mm. Every Sunday we'd we'd stop down there. You guys avoided that question. Uh, you guys remember any, any I'm, certain I'm, places? I'm sorry. It wasn't I, intentional. I, I, I just got over I got super excited to talk about camping with my family. <laughs> I um uh, I, I you know, that's the thing. Uh and we were we were discussing that uh you know, we remember a lot more as adults. Um, uh, but as a kid it just feels like we didn't have any set places. I guess one of the food things I remember about vacations is uh, the beginning of the road trip, uh, we would leave the house uh, if it was not super early in the morning, which which it usually you know it usually was. Uh, at the first one we stopped at at lunchtime, we'd pick it up, or if we left the house in the afternoon, we would stop to the one down the street and pick it up. We would kick off a road trip with a big old bucket of KFC, and, and that is one thing I remember about being on the road, being, being a little kid back there, eating my fried chicken. I'd have a biscuit or two, fucking greasing up my, my Tiger LCD games back there, slipping and sliding all over the place in the grease. Uh, so KFC is definitely, uh, as a kid, one of the, probably the most memorable <laughs> vacation food, like vacation on the road food. My parents did not like to stop at restaurants. They were the kings of... If we were going to go on vacation and so it took a drive, like we went to Florida a couple times, we would go up to, uh, you know, I live in the D.C. area. We always kind of lived around the D.C. area for most of my life. So as, as kids, we would drive either down to Florida or north to Connecticut, Rhode Island, where I had their family was from, you know, so we'd go up and visit family. But they instead of leaving, you know, at 6 a.m. or whatever during the day, my dad would be like, OK, it's 8 p.m. We're going to get in the van and everyone go to sleep and they would just drive all night. And to get wherever we're going to go. So he'd get there at like 6 a.m. and just go immediately to sleep uh, as soon as we got there and, and we would get there with no problem. <laughs> so we would do a lot of fast food on the road. If we were actually at, in, you know, if we went north to family, we would eat with family. They were all farmers, so everything there was really good, but it was all homemade food. Um, th- and also, and I didn't realize this as a kid as much, but now that I have kids, I get it. They never took us to restaurants uh, generally. I'm not, I don't want to say never, but it was very, very rare because there were three boys. I was the oldest of three boys. So it would be the two of them and then three boys that did nothing but fight with each other at a restaurant. And that's not fun for anybody. I only have two kids, both boys, and all they do when we go to restaurants is they'll order their food. And then if they don't have tablets to play on, which as kids, we, there were no tablets, uh, they just fight with each other to the point where we get kicked out of the restaurant. So I understand why we never went to restaurants. But if there was one we went to as kids, it was for some reason my dad loved Friendly's, the worst restaurant on earth. I don't know what it is he liked about Friendly's, but that's the only place I remember going on vacation to a sit-down restaurant when we were younger was, you know, one of the, the special, oh, we're going to go to Friendly's, guys. This is going to be great. And I don't that, know why that God was his thing. It, that was that was one of those dad things, though, wasn't it? They always had that one shitty restaurant that they, they got super hyped up yeah. uh, to, go, to go to. And I don't know if they knew and part of the pleasure was knowing the rest of the family hated it <laughs> or if they were completely unaware. Yeah, that's uh, I, I think there's something to that, because my grandpa, <laughs> for like the longest time before we started going to Cracker Barrel, uh-huh. he all the only place he ever wanted to stop going down to Franklin, Kentucky, was JoJo's restaurant. Yeah. And they they would hype it up like you're getting ready to fucking go to Disneyland. 
Yeah. It's like, oh, man. Yeah, and they'd even dress up a little better than usual. Oh, yeah, too. yeah button-up shirt. That's <laughs> go to Friendly's. <laughs> it was it was Mackey's. Mackey's Oof. family restaurant for my father. Wow. Uh, I guess for me, as, like, uh, as far as like video games go and stuff, uh, once we did eventually get down to Franklin, Kentucky, there was a Walmart there that did have uh, several arcade games in, in the entrance. And th- th- several of those were memories that I'll never forget. Uh, spending probably $50 in quarters trying to beat the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game, um, playing King of Fighters for the first time there, just uh, so many great memories. It's strangely enough in a Walmart entrance uh, that was not heated or anything like that. So we'd sit there and, and kind of freeze because it was not warm down there by that time. Um, and just playing those games. It was it was a great time. But yeah, that's uh, that's probably my favorite vacation memories. Uh, anyway, thank you for writing in Mike F. And uh, making me remember JoJo's restaurant for some reason. It's a place I never wanted to really remember. Anyway, uh, next up is Joey M, and he's writing in about Top Gun. You guys ready to talk about Top Gun? Uh, I mean, honestly, compared to what we just talked about for the last hour, sure. Okay, well, it's not what you think anyway. So uh, this isn't a question. It's more of a revelation. In one of your past shows, you got a letter from a European guy saying he was able to perform the landing in Top Gun for the NES without any problems. You guys were gobsmacked, and frankly, so was I. Then suddenly it hit me that... Then suddenly it hit me like a slippery fish. Most European NES games are slowed down. You guys know about the 60 frames per second versus 50 frames per second difference, so I won't repeat it here, but basically but basically, games that were not made in Europe, like Konami games, usually never got optimized when they came out there, and they ran 17% slower on top of that. I don't know about you guys, but there are a lot of NES games I could breeze through if they were 17% slower. So don't feel so bad, or do feel bad. It's none of my beeswax. Like a slippery <laughs> fish. That's a good... <laughs> that's a really good uh, metaphor, I think. Now, I, now I, you know, I don't know. I mean, would that be... Because, God dang it, I, I don't think it was really the speed for me as much as it was just... You know, I, I always misinterpreted the instructions they would give me as I, you know, as I was going for the landing sequence. I don't know. Um, but if, if that is indeed the fact and, and that is a contributing factor to that, then yeah, I, I can think of uh, a lot of games that maybe it would help with, but at the same time, I, I think we've become so accustomed to playing it. I mean, you know, you take take a game down, like if you get like bad emulation on a game or something like that and it's running a little slower than you're used to, you almost have to kind of relearn it. And and, and that adds its own uh, degree of difficulty. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, my, my hat's off steel. I, I still consider that an accomplishment, <laughs> landing that plane. But uh, that does make a little sense, though. I'll have to ask. We have several European listeners, uh, so if, if games ran a little slower, if they were not optimized for, I guess the the, the PAL format, uh, let us know. I did not I did not think about that, but th- I know that there is definitely a difference in in that format versus the the standard North American Japanese format. Yeah, and I, I wasn't sure if it was actually like the games were running slower, like you know here if you pressed a, a slow motion button on a, a special controller or something like that. Or if it was just missing those frames so that it ran like a little bit more choppy, 
than than what or if it was like a mixture of the two i don't know i didn't live over there uh, again uh yeah if you guys are, are over there and and had to deal with the pal format please write in let us know that is not something that i have done very much research on besides uh endlessly hearing people over in europe being like goddamn pal format sucked for the longest time uh but yeah i'd be interested to know uh, anyway, thank you, uh, Joey M, for writing in. And next up is Late to Gaming, and he's writing in about vanilla Frosties. Sorry to disappoint Billy, but the only real Frosty is a chocolate Frosty. They should be ashamed for trying to pass off melted vanilla ice cream as a Frosty at Wendy's. First off, I'd like to point that a Frosty is a non-dairy dessert. It is not ice cream. Well, shit. Man, all hoity-toity coming in. <laughs> to set the record straight, that is correct, though. Um but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I really uh, came down praising heavily the Vanilla Frosty. I, I, I did say, I think I did, the only way I'll accept a Vanilla Frosty is if I stop at the gas station before, buy that bag of M&Ms, you know, get a spoon, core out the middle of it, and pour that bag in. Uh, that, that's the only way I'll take a Vanilla Frosty. Otherwise, I would not dare. Uh, pick one of those up just plain and eat it uh, like I would a, a regular, uh, like the chocolate frosty. Oh, yeah. All day on those. The yeah. Big socks. I didn't even know they had vanilla frosties. I must have missed yeah, when you talked about them. But, yes, yeah, chocolate frosty you gotta, you got to have a mix in. you got you got to have your own. And I don't think they do. you got to have your own mix in if, if you're going to get that vanilla frosty. Yeah, it, some... it, it's not a, a very pleasant one. He is correct. Um, it, it is not very pleasant on its own. And I'll admit that I, I I don't want it to be mistaken that I I'm a, a cheerleader for the vanilla frosty at all. Uh, that that's far from the case. I don't want to be labeled as such a thing. I mean, do you guys? I I, I guess for me, like frosties, you you have to eat it with even like the chocolate frosty. You got to put something in it because that thing I, is so I, fucking I can, thick. I can handle the chocolate one. Uh, it's not uh, a shake. It's, it's, it's a spoon eaten dessert. Yeah, that's why they give you a spoon with it. Right, I'm saying that, so it, it's not, I don't mind that it's thick. Like, I don't buy ice cream and expect to eat it with a straw. I, I'm okay with it I, I, as its own. But I, I, again, I, I mentioned before, I like to dip my fries in it. That's that. I would rather have, like, the hottest fries imaginable that I can dip yeah. in that Frosty. Yeah, that's what you do I, with I don't understand. I don't understand the fries. Oh. It's just, I don't know, it's just that hot French fry action. And, you know, you just, you take a bite of French fry and then you scoop up that fucking thick-ass chocolate milkshake. I'm adding some sexy saxophone music to this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Because otherwise you can't drink it. I mean, you can try, but you're just going to suck the straw straight down your throat. It's just not possible unless you've got something else going on with it and just kind of spoon-feeding it to yourself. So uh, I'm kind of with you. I didn't even know there was a vanilla Frosty. Like, that's Mm. just... It's crazy to me. Uh, Anyway, thank you, Late to Gaming, for, for correcting Billy. Um, and uh, next up and last question is Ben B from Patreon. Uh, you can ask, also ask uh, questions to us on Patreon. We will read them here. And he's uh, writing in about Vita game suggestions. Mm. Hey, guys, I have a question for the next episode. Can you recommend any Vita games? I'm just getting into the system, and I would like some suggestion suggestions. Cheers, oh, Ben. Boy. Well, I, I have to say I cannot. I can't personally come through on this one. I, I was not a fan not a big Vita guy, I, I should say. Not a fan. I can't say I'm not a fan because I didn't give it much of an effort. Um, I was a PSP guy, and I got it only to play Crisis Core. 
and, and that's basically what I did. So when the Vita came around, I, you know, I just, I didn't get on board with it. Uh, I, I'm sure you guys have probably, probably plunked down more time. Uh, I certainly have. I love the Vita, uh, but admittedly, in 2020, there are very, very few uh, exclusives to the Vita. So there's there's a lot of great games on the Vita, but you may already have them in other formats. My Vita is completely used for role-playing games. That's that's what I keep it for. And then a few things like I have Binding of Isaac and a few like just pick-up-and-play games. But generally, like I have Persona 4 Golden, which used to be an exclusive, uh, but now has just been re-released for, uh, for Steam. I'm sure it'll show up on some other stuff. I have mm. uh, a lot of the PSP games you can buy and play on there, uh, not in the physical format, but digital. So I have Persona 3 Portable, and I have a handful of other PSP games that I had on the PSP that I've bought again, so that I have them on the Vita. Um, I have the Final Fantasy X X2 HD Remaster, which is a great Vita game. If you like Final Fantasy X, it's probably the best way to play it because you can play it anywhere. Uh, the only game I own that is a full like packaged game that has not been put out again yet on another console is the Uncharted game for the Vita. Uncharted Golden Abyss is only available on the Vita, uh, but I guarantee you it will show up at some point on some other format. Uh, but there are sections of it where you have to actually use the back touchpad. So I don't know how they do that on some other controllers, but I'm sure they'll find a way if they want to put it out. It, it plays exactly like every other Uncharted game. It's not breaking any new ground, uh, but it's a, it's a solid game. But yeah, basically for me, it's, it's, all, it's all downloaded PlayStation uh, 1 or PSP role-playing games. I've got the first and second Sweet Coden. I have Lunar. I've got... Uh, you know, like the Persona 3P for the, the PSP. Uh, one of the oh, Tactics Ogre, I think I have on there. I, I got a bunch of stuff that I had downloaded that were on other systems but are perfect on the Vita. But they aren't Vita exclusives, so you may already have them. I agree with Persona 4. That, that basically turned my Vita into a, a Persona 4 machine for quite a while. Uh, besides that, uh, you know, the, I, I really enjoyed the, the port of Marvel vs. Capcom 3. That was a really, really solid port. Um of a great fighting game, the the last great Marvel versus Capcom game. Um, the uh, Katamari game on there also is quite good. But generally, I think for me, it, it was kind of like Jeremy. I, I used it to to buy a lot of uh, PSP games and uh, PlayStation uh, original PlayStation games to play on there as well. Uh, it it just kind of was the the perfect format for those games. Uh, oh, Gravity Rush was really good too. I, I really like Gravity Rush on there as well. Um, but yeah, I, I really like the Vita, but I don't think I really played too many Vita actual Vita games on there. It was just almost an extension of the PSP uh, as as time went on. Besides like Persona Four, I think Persona Four was by far my favorite game on the Vita. Uh, but I think that's gonna do it for questions this week, guys. Uh, again, just like Jeremy said, if you got a question, go to Retrovania.net. We've got a contact form. It's at the bottom of the site. And you may actually notice some new stuff on there as well. Uh, we've got our new video, uh, Mighty Final Fight for the NES. And as mentioned before, we've got some new articles. Well, one new article. We're not going to put a lot of written stuff up, but, you know, maybe once something once every couple of weeks. Um, and, uh, you know, just something to read if you want to. If you don't, you can totally ignore it. And I still like writing, so it's nice that I'll have a place to put some things. I have admittedly not written anything, but I'm in the middle of an article on the E-Series. That's actually another thing you could play 
Uh, several of the classic Ease games are, are playable on the Vita and are very good on that. I have Ease Origin and the Memories of Celseta, which are both very good. Uh, but but that's a series you may not be into. I'm trying to write something and, and working with uh, some other folks to kind of give an introduction to the series and why you should play it because uh, the new one is coming out next year. So all those things are on Retrovania.net along with links to, again, our YouTube channel, this podcast, our social media sites. Uh, if you happen to be on Twitch, uh, Billy is on, on Twitch now as uh, are you Retrovania or Retrovaniacs? It's Retrovaniacs. Yeah, he's on he's on Twitter as Retrovaniacs. Yeah, does a lot of walking sims, but he also did an amazing walkthrough of Alex Kidd in the Enchanted Castle. <laughs> and if you want to see him do Alex Kidd in high-tech world for the Sega Master System, oh. go ahead and join the Twitch feed. Enough people demand it other than just me. It may happen. Uh, you can also, again, send us questions. But otherwise, we will be back in two weeks with a brand new episode, or if you're a patron, a new episode next week as well. And we will see you next time.